And thank you, choir, for that. Let's take our Bibles to the book of John, chapter 14, this great chapter in God's Word with uh, the uh, outstanding truths that uh, are going to help us as we enter the new year. And if you're here and uh, you don't uh, have that untroubled heart, I want to encourage you to listen to the Word today and and you can have an untroubled mind and untroubled heart as uh, you enter the new year. And so we want to uh, talk about that today in a little bit, the um, untroubled mind and heart. That's the title of the message later. But I want to read the scripture today uh, from verse 1 to verse 20. If you're able and can, would you stand uh, as we honor the scriptures today in the uh, scripture reading? And then uh, remain standing, if you would, for our welcome hymn that we'll sing right after our uh, scripture reading. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 1 to 20. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Whither I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believe thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me doth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. And that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. And our Heavenly Father, we pray that you add your blessing to the reading of the Scripture today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would remain standing for our welcome hymn. A little time this morning at the untroubled heart and mind. The chapter begins with that and it ends with that, where Jesus says to the disciples, Let not your heart be troubled. He adds 
in the last verse, uh, in the last time he mentions it, verse 27, he adds the words, and neither let it be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so this comfort was offered to the disciples when they were uh, facing the three darkest days that they would experience, the time of separation from their Savior and the time that he was laid in death in the grave. And so, and he spoke these words to the disciples, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid, when he himself faced the great agony of uh, taking on mankind's worst when he uh, took on our sin at the cross. So all those things uh, leading up to the, uh, to the time that uh, he would give himself a sacrifice for many. And yet he had this comfort for you and I, uh, that are now his disciples that are following him, yet all these 2,000 years later and are his disciples, are his followers. So he gave those words and they, in their experience, had invested their whole future in the Lord Jesus Christ and who he said he was and, and who they believed him to be. And now he's telling them he's going to leave them, he's going to depart from them, he's going to go to, to his father and they didn't still understand this, though he'd been preparing them, preparing them, preparing them for that. They still didn't get it. They, when he would talk about his death, uh, they it just didn't register with them. They still looking for somehow this is going to work out to where the kingdom is going to be established and, and the rule and reign of the Savior would be centered in Israel and the world would come to Israel. They saw those things as coming to pass. They knew the prophecies of the Old Testament. And, and they looked forward to that kingdom. So they just didn't want to, they didn't want to process all these times that he said uh, that they're going to destroy this body in three days. I will raise it up. And over and over again, they were told that but didn't get it. <laughs> and the, um, the scripture tells us that when he did rise from the dead, all these things come flooding back into their memories and they understood it after his resurrection. But uh, what he's doing with them now is preparing them for his departure. And uh, he's trying to help them to understand that they don't have to have a troubled mind, a troubled heart, even in a troubled world in which they live, even in the circumstances that were about to face them, the, the separation of their, the one that they had followed day in and day out, and the fact that he was going to leave them and, and not, be very, not be there present with them uh, in a physical sense, that that was going to happen, and yet they could be comforted, they could be helped, they could be encouraged, they could be unafraid. He, they just uh, they looked at it and said, what, what is going to happen to us? Of course, many are troubled in heart today in the, in the Western world, I think, of uh, the, the, uh, the biblical prophecy that in the, in the last days that men's hearts would fail them for fears. And we know that, you know, heart failure, uh, the, the, the failure of the function of our physical heart is one of the top killers of people these days. The stress that is associated with that, any doctor will tell us, that stress has a great deal of detrimental effect upon our physical being. Any doctor will, will tell us that and want, to re, want us to relieve some of the stress. And No, you don't do it by quitting your job and, you know, going up on a mountaintop and, and uh, you know, trying to uh, learn yoga. That's not, how you, <laughs> that's not how you relieve stress, you know. Uh, you, you deal with stress and uh, you deal with it biblically and, Stress is a good thing if dealt with and responded to biblically. So 
That's what he's teaching them here. He's, he's trying to help them with that. And in the Western world, we have that. We, we notice something about our Western uh, riches. We're the wealthiest nation yet in the world, and we, as a people, corporately speaking, are the wealthiest people in the world. There's reasons why the world wants to come to America and, and uh, that. There's reasons why they don't choose, um, you know, Belize or Afghanistan as a place they're trying to get into. They don't need to build walls and have border patrols in some of those places because nobody's wanting to get in. Nobody wants to go to some of these places, but they do want to come to America, the uh, country that we're blessed to be part of. And there are reasons for that, multiple reasons for that. And yet, with all the riches that we have and all the plenty that we enjoy and the economic bounty that we experience in this nation, yet uh, we, we don't find the contentment, we don't find the lack of, uh, of uh, trouble, we don't find the lack of, of peace, the, uh, the, the peace that you would think would be associated with that. We understand that having plenty does not equal having peace, does it? Having plenty does not equal having peace. And so Jesus' answer to these troubled hearts, these troubled minds was, was trust. The answer to trouble is trust. Trust in the Lord. And, and he um, meant to teach them th- some things before he left. He uh, wanted them to know and he wants us to know that we uh, have a basis on which to trust. We have a well-grounded, well-founded faith. Ours is not an ethereal faith that is based on something mystical and magical that we can't really define. Our trust is based on foundational truths that are infallible. And our trust is based on an infallible word of God, which has proven itself God's word over and over and over again against all odds and against all enemies for these two thousands of years. And so we have a basis, well-founded, well-grounded for our faith. And that's what he was teaching them, to trust in God the Father and trust in Jesus Christ, his Son, that the disciples were to, uh, were to be taken now through in the passage we just read, a series of truths that would show them that his departure was not going to be the unmitigated disaster that they thought it would be, but rather it would be an open door to new benefits that they had not even yet imagined. And so I want to just give you a a few quick thoughts this morning concerning those benefits that that he taught them would take place when he departed. And the first one was that he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I like that, that heaven is just not something, some mystical, you know, clouds and floating around and strumming on a harp or something like that and not really knowing what's going on. No, uh, heaven is a place. Jesus is in that place. Now, the Lord and the angels of heaven are in that place. It is a place and is a place where you and I that are saved are going. So the benefit was that he was going to prepare a place for us. And uh, it's a glorious place. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you. And he said, I want to go there to prepare a place for you because I want you to be where I am. And so it is that that place is being prepared 
as he's preparing that place, it must be quite the place if it's taken 2,000 years to get it ready. <laughs> as he's preparing that place, I was reading some of the commentators and so forth. I read Bruce Milne. He writes, uh, he writes this. He says, the word mansion is an unfortunate mistranslation. As soon as I see that, I know I'm, I'm uh, reading a commentator that doesn't really believe the Bible like you and me do and doesn't really believe the preservation of the Scriptures like you and me do. But he says the word mansion is an unfortunate mistranslation. And here he suggests what it should say. It should say, in my father's apartment block are many apartments. <laughs> That's uh, the great uh, and, uh, and learned uh, intellectual theologian Bruce Milne, who's a uh, a well-known writer and uh, his comment, uh, comment, uh, commentaries are in, many, uh, are in many seminaries and many schools. Now, um, not to say that he says nothing that's of value because he does have some, uh, some good uh, things to, to uh, stimulate the mind, but here he's, uh, he's gone to left field, I want to tell you. And uh, so uh, never place the confidence in a commentator that you do in what he's commenting on, the Word of God. Always keep it there. Now, I'm not really looking forward to getting my studio apartment in heaven, you know, in that big apartment block in heaven. <laughs> so uh, the first thing I wanted to do when I moved into an apartment was to get out, you know. <laughs> so so uh, I feel for you that are in uh, apartment dwellers. I know what it's like. I lived in apartments for years and know what it is uh, about. But that, to me, that's not heaven. That's not heavenly to get my studio apartment there in, in heaven. And uh, here the guys above me, the guys below me, the guys beside me, the guys on the other side, you know. Even if they're playing hymns, they're playing them too loud, you know, and I can't sleep. So, so uh, no, that's not it. I thank God that he, he says the place I'm preparing for you is really beyond imagination. Paul got a glimpse of it, and he said, man, I can't even put it into words. I can't even explain it. It's, it's just seeing it, just glimpsing it, Paul said. It makes me really want to go there bad. I want to go, but I know God's got a purpose for me to stay here for a while and and, and so he did, and so we have, um, we have that, that uh, uh, promise that there's a place being prepared for us. The, the future state of believers, the most important element in that future state of believers is that the place is where Jesus is. That's the most important thing about the place is that Jesus is there, and we get to be there with him in the presence, in the very presence of Christ in the very presence of God and the place where Jesus is. It's a place where we'll never be separated anymore. There won't be any more goodbyes and, and uh, I hope I see you again and, and that. There won't be any more separations. That uh, won't be part of our way of life anymore, separations. There's a place there for you as well. If you have not yet learned what that place is, there's a place for you but you've got to come by His way. You've got to follow Him. You've got, to, uh, you've got to come by the way of the cross. And that's what He is telling us there in verse 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is a way, but you've got to come His way. And I hope that today, if you haven't learned His way yet, that you'll come that straight and narrow way. Get off the broad way that leadeth to destruction. I uh, read years ago about a, uh, about a flock of 1,500 sheep in a little village called Ganas in eastern Turkey. It was reported in the BBC News in July of uh, 2005, and I clipped out the article. Uh, it said that the, uh, the shepherds that were tending the sheep, there were several flocks of them together in the grazing area here, 
and the shepherds that were tending the sheep decided they'd go together uh, to just leave the sheep, be they go down to the village to a, a little cafe there and have breakfast. While they were down having breakfast, the lead sheep, one of the uh, leading sheep, just went over a cliff. And so one after another, those sheep followed him over the cliff. Someone saw it happening and hollered. And before they could get up there, all 1,500 of those sheep went over the cliff, 50 feet. And uh, it was a devastating thing to that little village whose main income were, was the shepherding work. And so uh, they, they uh, suffered a great deal of uh, loss as a result of that, of that uh, whole flock following one sheep leading in the wrong direction. I don't want anyone to, to follow someone over a cliff, to follow the lost world over the cliff and end up in eternal destruction. Uh, we need you to know that there's only one way, and that one way to life and, and to Jesus Christ and to heaven is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So, my friend, I want to encourage you to, to think about that if you, haven't, if you haven't nailed that down yet. Let's get it taken care of today so that you know the place where you're going. There's a way to God, to heaven, to eternal life, and it's a singular road. There are not many ways that lead to heaven. It's a singular road. In Matthew 7, he calls it a narrow way, a straight, meaning, meaning a tight, one at a time, a narrow way that leadeth to life. It's an exclusive way too. No, no man, he says, cometh unto the Father but by me. It's quite exclusive. It's not inclusive like the world's, uh, you know, uh, uh, mindset is. It's not inclusive. It's not everybody's got a little bit of right and everybody's got their opinion and everybody's point of view is equally valid. That's not the way it is. It isn't that way at all. It's an exclusive way. He said, no man, no man comes to the Father except by me, but by me. And uh, that narrow road. Oh, it's not a popular, it's not a popular truth in the, the world today, is it? That all religions and all ways have their validity and so forth. That's not popular. But uh, it's Bible, Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So if you're to be saved from the penalty of your sins, if you're to be saved from going over the cliff to hell, if you're to be saved, it's only by the way of the cross. That's the only way. And I'm here to tell you that. And Christians, we've got to get that word out. That's our work. That's our responsibility to get that word out. It is an exclusive way. And I'm not saying there's no valid truth in all the religions of the world because in, any, in almost any religion, you can read along the tenets, the doctrines, the beliefs of almost any religion. You can find some that will overlap with biblical Christianity. You can find some things taught in almost any religion that will overlap because they'll have some measure of truth in them somewhere. But, uh, but where they all, where all other religions part ways with uh, Bible believers is this verse 6. Verse 6, that's where they all say, nope, that ain't so. And so that's where we part ways with them. And so it is. That is the way. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And so uh, that's what I'm talking about. So there's the benefit, though, of Jesus going to prepare a place and saying, I want you there in that place with me. There's a benefit that uh, his parting 
uh, provided for the disciples, for us. The second benefit that he mentions to them there and encourages them in truth is, a, is the fact that it would, there would be a completed revelation of who uh, Jesus Christ is and his relationship to the Father and to the Holy Spirit. There would be a more complete revealing of this truth that was, that was not yet cemented in the minds of the disciples, maybe like you and I who've had the truth for all these years and have been able to read the scripture all, all the way through. It wasn't so with them, and so they had the benefit of a completed revelation. We have that benefit and have had it to the place we take it for granted, a completed revelation. Every once in a while you run across someone that comes to Christ and is, uh, is marvelously converted and is thirsty for the word and dives into the Bible and two or three weeks later they come back and said, I've read the whole book. And, uh, and you think, wow, that's wonderful. That's wonderful to have that passion for the word of God, that desire to get in the word and then years and years and years go by and pretty soon uh, we're struggling just to just to, you know, have a little time in the Bible now and then and so many other things come up and, you know, we're busy and we, year after year we think, I was going to finish the Bible, I was going to read it through this year, but maybe next year I'll do it. I hope that 2020, you'll do it if you haven't done it yet or if you've not done it in a while, I hope that 2020 is the year you say, I'm going to. I would to God that we had the passion that a new Christian has that just wants to drink in the Word of God and, and to to see the revelation of God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost there in the Word of God, to, to see that, that the, the passion for that, that, that we have many of us lost. And so when he said, I'm going to the presence of the Father, he said, it's good for you because you're going to know me better. You're going to know the Father better. You're going to know the Holy Ghost better. And Philip was saying, but, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And Jesus told him, I, have I not been so long a time with you, and yet you've not known me? Uh, to know me is to know the Father, he said. G.K. Chesterton wrote these words, Him will I find, when in, though when in vain I search the feast and mart, the fading flowers of liberty, the painted masks of art, I only find him at the last on one old hill where nod Golgotha's holy trinity, three persons, yet one God. And so it was with the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that the disciples began to get it, that God was manifest in the three persons, the triune Godhead, the Lord the Father, Lord God the Father, the Lord God in the person of Jesus Christ and the Lord God in the person of the Holy Spirit uh, revealed to them. Now we see it in the Word and now we accept it and now we believe it, but they did not have what we have, the completed re revelation of God's Word. So Jesus said, one of the benefits that, me, uh, that uh, my departure will have is that you're going to receive the completed revelation of God's Word to you. So Philip's request, though, was one that we might make. It's, it's a natural desire to have a tangible, visible uh, image that we can say, this is God. They had, in the person of Jesus Christ, that when they, he was with them, but they desired, uh, they desired to, see, to see God. Show us the Father, and, and it'll satisfy us. Show us the Father. Let us see him with our eyes, and then we'll be 
satisfied. He, he uh, said something that we have all felt, you know. Uh, we've, we've all sensed that. Uh, mankind does that. We like to, we like to, man in our natural state likes to think that there's a place we can go and see God uh, visibly, physically see Him. And so we build great cathedrals with uh, uh, magnificent uh, architecture and and uh, stunning windows and uh, light uh, coming in from uh, angles that uh, highlight certain parts of the architecture, certain parts of the day, and we go to those kinds of places and in search of uh, a touch of God, you know, to see God. Uh, the idolater goes to an idol to see his God, and that's a natural. Uh, that's a natural effect of our of our human nature. But disciples had to learn that seeing Jesus is seeing God. And you and I need to know the same thing as well. Seeing Jesus is seeing God. And our focus on Jesus Christ is, uh, uh, as, it's, as he's revealed in his word, is uh, wh- where we see God. We see God in his word. We see God as we place our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ as he's expressed in his word. We see God as the Holy Spirit of God in us reveals Christ to us in his word. And so that's a benefit that was to come to them after the Lord Jesus Christ departed and went to heaven. But there's a third benefit that Jesus revealed to them there. And that was that his departing would be that which brought about the equipping of all of the saints, all the disciples to do what their purpose in life was to do. And that's, uh, that's what the, uh, the great benefit, the third part of the promise was, that in his going, he would make that possible. He said, now when I go, you're going to do greater works than you've seen me do. And you could think, what could be a greater work than raising someone from the dead? Or what could be a greater work than feeding the 5,000? What could be a greater work than, than, uh, than the miracle after miracle after miracle that Jesus did? Well, there is a greater work than that. And it is in the, uh, in the miracle of a soul being translated from hell to heaven. A soul destined for hell to becoming a soul destined for heaven. A person on their way to hell translated to the kingdom of God and becoming a person on their way to heaven. That great miracle, he said, would be repeated time and time again. More than they'd ever seen it in their lifetime. They would see 3,000 converted on the day of Pentecost. And this followed after Jesus' promise. They'd seen many people uh, come to Christ, but still at the end of Jesus' ministry, when we, uh, when we get the gathering together of the church there in Jerusalem, still at the end of that, there's only about 120 people gathered in that place on the, uh, in, the, uh, in the first part of the book of Acts. There's still only about 120 people there that were uh, unafraid enough to actually meet someplace and declare themselves a church and a, and a body of believers. There were only that handful. There were doubtless other converts that were not there, but nothing to the measure of what we would see when we see the founding of the New Testament church there. And Jesus said, you're going to see greater things than these. 
And so now all over the world, the church in one generation, all the known world was touched by the gospel. And churches were planted all over the world in a space of uh, a generation in, that, uh, in the, uh, in the uh, era of the book of Acts. And then from that time till this, thousands upon hundreds of thousands and millions of souls have come from the pathway to destruction to the pathway to life. Jesus said, yes, you're going to see greater works than what you've seen yet. And it's not going to happen, though, until I depart and go to the presence of the Father and become your intercessor there in heaven, uh, heeding your prayers and answering your prayers. It won't, it won't happen until then. So we have the, the gift then given of the Holy Ghost that he said, that's not going to happen until I go. He's not going to come until I go. And so that benefit of his going was there as well, that the Holy Spirit would, would uh, uh, come and that he would not only be with believers, that, but he would abide in believers and so now you, if you're a child of God, you have the Holy Ghost abiding, living in you. Hasmin just trusted Jesus as her Savior a few weeks ago, and ever since she's been saved, the Holy Spirit's been present with her. She's been walking not just with the Lord, but with the Lord in her and her in Him. And so uh, that present Holy Spirit is there to guide us into all truth. The, uh, the, the Lord Jesus gave us some promises there. We read them in verse 16 that he would abide with us, he'd live with us, that he would comfort us, that he would be our comforter, that he would strengthen us, that he would guide us into all truth, that he would teach us, that he would bring to remembrance the things that we forgot, and thank God for that, that we have one who's better at uh, bringing to our remembrance than we have memory for. Thank the Lord for that. And then he says he would give them peace of heart, peace of mind, as he said in verse 27 that we read earlier. Uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit of God with them all the time, it was un, uh, uh, unimaginable to them when they looked at Jesus and said, you're the one that's been present with us. You're the one that's here. You're the one we're with every day. You're the one that we go through our day with. You're the one that we bring our troubles to. You're the one that comforts us. You're the one that gives us the word. And he said, but the Holy Spirit is going to be even more present with you. I mean, Jesus wasn't there with them when they went home and pillowed their heads on their beds at night. And Jesus wasn't there with them when they sent them out to do the work of the ministry two by two uh, into the regions uh, around uh, Judah, uh, Judea. He wasn't there with them at all times, but he said, it's going to be better for you. The Holy Spirit uh, is going to be present with you at all times. And he said, get this, that because the truth of the triune God, I'm going to be with you and God is going to be with you. Holy Spirit's going to be with you. We three are one, and we, you can say God is with me. You can say the Holy Spirit is with me. You can say Christ is in me. You can say it all because all of it is true. And so all of that benefit was ours, is ours, as we see him departing physically for a time. But he left us that great promise that uh, if I go, I will come again. That great truth is there in the heart of those disciples. He's, they are saying, well, he's going, but he's coming back. He's going, but he's coming back. And we've been saying that for 2,000 years. He's coming back. 
I, I, can't, uh, I can't see how it's going to go a whole lot longer, you know, before he cometh back. <laughs> you know, he cometh backeth. I'm looking for that. And uh, we're excited about that. We're, uh, we're anticipating that. But in the meantime, he's given us a mission. He's given us a purpose. But he's given us the means of doing that. And he's given us the means of expressing our love to him and our love to others. He gives that in verse 15. He says, uh, if you love me, Keep my commandments. The benefit of being able to express our love to him every day is simply by keeping his commandments. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. We can have that benefit of expressing that love to others as well as we see it there. Verse 21, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. He that loveth me shall be loved of my father and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. I'll show myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not, not Judas Iscariot, but the other Judas. Judas, Iscariot, Judas said unto him, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not to the world? And Jesus said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. There's the key right there, my words. That's how he will manifest himself unto us. He will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. See, it's the Holy Spirit of God, the Father, the Son. He that loveth me uh, not, uh, he that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, yet being present with you. And so the way that uh, we're able to express our love to him is as we learn his commandments in his word and do them, we're saying, Lord, we love you. It's a love note to the Lord every time you, in the simplest way, obey his commandments. You're, it's simple to come to church, and one of his commandments is to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and all the more so as you see the day of Christ approaching. So you obeyed that commandment from God to assemble together as a body of believers. You and I are obeying that commandment of God right now. And what we're doing is just sending a love letter, a love note to our Savior every time we gather together in His house because we're obeying one of His commands. And so thank God for that opportunity to express love to Him. We have the opportunity also to express love to one another by obeying His commandments. For one of the commandments that is given to me is to love others as I love myself. And all of us has little trouble loving ourselves. That's why selfies are so popular, you know. That's why you, uh, that's why you always look how you look in the picture before you care about what anybody else looks like. You don't care if your wife has a smirk on her face. You don't care if the kids have their eyes closed. If your picture looks good, everything is good about that picture. You're going to publish it. You're going to put it on Facebook, you know. You don't care uh, because all of us have no trouble loving ourselves, you know. Uh, the Bible makes it clear no man ever yet hated himself, you know but we love and cherish ourselves. And so the commandment goes that we're to love others as we love ourselves. The commandment goes that we're to esteem others as better than ourselves. See what happens when we obey the Lord. He, we express love to Him, but we also express love to others. And what an opportunity there is to do that when we gather together. It's just not the same. Brother Bagley said today, you know, he said, when I'm out of church and can't make it because of sickness or just can't uh, be here, 
unable to get here. He said, it's just a bad week. <laughs> he, said, he said, I can, you know, I can listen uh, on, on the, uh, the podcast or I can listen on the radio or I can read, you know, for myself or I can have my time with the Lord, but it's just not the same as when I'm here with God's people in God's house and the word is sung and the word is exalted and the Lord is honored. It's just not the same, he said, unless I'm able to be here. So that's, uh, you know, that's a great truth. That's a great truth. They, we live in a time when, you know, uh, churches are closing their doors, about 5,000 a year now in America, closing their doors, becoming, you know, museums or uh, shops, or coffee shops, different things like that, about 5,000 per year. There's some being started, but they're not being started as quickly as they're closing because uh, we are in a time when uh, people are looking at uh, the, the need for gathering together in an assembly of believers is really not necessary anymore. Uh, and it's certainly, it's certainly necessary if you're a Bible believer, you know. Uh, it's certainly necessary if you want to obey the truth. And so I encourage you to, to recognize how val- valuable this opportunity is to express love to the Lord by simply obeying His word. We're given the means uh, to do that. We're given the promise of His return that where I am, there ye may be also. In 1958, a Japanese polar expedition to Antarctica was forced to evacuate by helicopter. Their supply ship was coming in, but the ice was very thick that year, and the icebreaker got stuck and could not uh, even get close to them. They did have a helicopter on board the icebreaker, so they were able to get the helicopter to the station, to the polar station, and evacuate all the people, but they didn't have, uh, they couldn't lift the weight of the dogs, and they didn't have room in in the helicopter uh, to get the dogs. They, had, uh, they took the dogs and they chained them all up in a line there and they put as much food as they could beside each dog. And their hope was that somehow or another they could get uh, a ship back out there in time to rescue the animals. But uh, the winter became increasingly worse and storm after storm hit until they finally gave up and assumed that uh, there was no hope. And so uh, that was the way it went. But uh, on the hearts of a couple of the men that had left the dogs behind was the, the fact that they had told the dogs they'd be back. They had, uh, they had indicated, we'll come for you. We'll, we'll send somebody, you know. And, um, and so uh, they, two of the, uh, of the folks from the previous expedition were able to go back the next year when the ice finally thawed enough to get in there. And they went back expecting the worst, but they discovered that eight of the dogs had broken the chains from off of their necks and had gotten loose and of, uh, of, of all things, two of the animals were still there waiting for them when they arrived. And so uh, what, a, what a reunion that was. It, uh, these were uh, Chacaline uh, Huskies that were, uh, that were the animals that they took there. And the, they were five they never found. They didn't know what happened to them. But two of them survived the whole time and re- reunited. Uh, and they became national heroes in Japan. A statue was erected to them. And up through the 1990s, the most popular dog breed in uh, Japan was the Sakhalin Husky. And so um, these, these human beings making a promise... Uh, uh, couldn't keep it. They came back a year later and, and uh, returned and rescued some. But the Lord Jesus Christ has uh, made that promise as well. If I go, I will come again. Now, sometimes we think, Lord, when? When? But he is not hindered by ice. He's not hindered by weather conditions. He's not hindered by the will of man and the way of man. 
he'll come in his time, uh, and his good time is the right time. So I'm looking forward to his coming again. So you have the option to enter 2020 with an untroubled heart and an untroubled mind, even though we live in a troubled world. You have that option, and you have that opportunity today, but you've got to do it God's way. When you enter 2020, and you, if you want the heart uh, that we're talking about here, you've got to do it God's way, trusting the Lord, committed to obeying His Word. Christian, you and me can get a troubled heart from time to time too if we get out of the will of God, if we get away from uh, trusting Him, obeying Him. We can all you know, experience the same trouble in heart and mind that one without Christ has. But uh, you and I, too, can enter into 2020 with an untroubled heart and an untroubled mind by that same way, trust, putting our trust back where it belongs, back in the Lord Jesus Christ, back in His Word, back in His promises, back in His truth, putting our trust where it belongs and, and then getting back online to be obeying the Lord, to obey the Lord, you know. So um, it's a simple truth, isn't it? Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus, to be an untroubled heart an untroubled mind, but to trust and obey. Let's stand together, and that's our invitation today, trust and obey. Let's sing that as our invitation hymn today, trust and obey, for there's no other way. Tonight, as we get together, we're going to talk about our preparations for the new year, and all of us are kind of thinking about that, about what we do. I hope you're not just thinking about a diet. I hope you're thinking about some spiritual things. I saw I saw a, um, on the on the wall of one of our members' homes. I was in there. We were in there recently, and on the wall it said, uh, don't blame the holidays. You were fat in August. So, <laughs> so that wasn't, I think the husband might have put that up, but uh, that was mean. I would never do that, um, but he did, and so uh, that's true. You may be thinking about your diet, maybe thinking, I'm going to lose a little weight and uh, that, but I hope you're thinking about more than that as we enter the new year, as we're thinking about uh, what the Lord has for us in the second decade of this 21st century. So we're going to sing Trust and Obey. What's the hymn number, Ryan? 414, 414, Trust and Obey. There's no other way. Let's have a word of prayer, and uh, let's ask the Lord to just help us with that. If you're here and you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior yet, but you're ready this morning to enter the new year with a, uh, with a new birth, with a new life, I want to encourage you to Come and let us show you out of the Bible. We won't put you on the spot or make you stay up front or anything like that, but we'll have someone take the Bible. If it's a lady comes, we'll have a lady show you out of the Bible. If a man comes, we'll have a man take you to the side and show you out of the Bible how to call on Christ, how to be saved, how to know you're on your way to heaven. Uh, you can have that assurance today. You can, you can have that place. You've got a place reserved in heaven if you'll take it, and he wants to give it to you, but you have to come his way. So you come and uh, meet us at the front here, and we'll... Have someone show you how the Bible, how to, how to come to Christ, how to be saved. And if you're a Christian, uh, we certainly need to start the new year on our knees, don't we? You need to end the old year on our knees, start the new year on our knees, and, and say, Lord, let me uh, refresh in my commitment to trust you and obey you in the days ahead. So, uh, our Father, we thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to gather in your house. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to, to get this, to understand what you're telling us in John chapter 14. What you are giving us are the benefits that we can have and how your heart is to pre prepare us to fulfill our mission to get the gospel to the world, to be a witness to others. And then, Father, I do pray for those that haven't yet trusted you as their Savior, that they would come and, 
that uh, I know you'll receive them if they'll receive you. And so I pray that they would come to, to trust you and to take you as their Lord and their Savior. I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to their heart right now and give them courage to take that step of faith. And I ask, Lord, that you bless the invitation time and that Christians would respond. I pray for those that need to consider uh, what you want them to do about uh, a church home or maybe some that are saved that haven't been baptized, scripturally baptized. I pray, Father, that you would uh, touch their hearts as well and cause them to say, I'm going to obey the Lord in that as well. I ask your blessing on the invitation now in Jesus' name. Amen. And as we sing that first verse, we just step right out and come as we sing, trust and obey. When, when we